Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. God bless you. I so appreciate that this morning. I think about my friend and mentor, Dr. Lee Robertson, on a day like today. I've told you how he encouraged me and stood in prayer for me and my family. We named our first daughter after his wife, Caroline, and uh, the impact that he had upon my life. He told me every time he preached here at Shining Light, he would remind me and he'd say, you're going to face many things as pastor of this church, but no matter what you face, keep going. No matter what you face. All the twists and turns of life and ministry, whatever comes your way, keep going. I say that to us all this morning, but I say it especially to our dads. I don't know what you're going to face in your marriage, in your parenting, with your children, your grandchildren. I, I don't know what's coming your way, but I know that there's a God in heaven who is sovereignly in control, and nothing can come into our lives that he does not allow. We were reminded that of Job recently, even as we looked to the word of God and talked about Job last time. Job is the story of when integrity meets adversity. What happens? How do we respond? Job believed when there was no reason to believe. Satan thought he had taken everything from Job, but to Job, God was everything. It's all about the Lord. It's not about what comes and goes. It's not about what we have or don't have. It's about the Lord and about glorifying God, come what may. Whatever we face, we may turn this way or the other and thought we were going to altogether different route, but God is still God. And we're not to look at God as someone who is just there to enrich our lives, but someone who is there to be faithful to us and us to him, come what may, whatever we face. How important it is for dads to lead the way in our homes Someone has said, when a father attends church, there's 90, a 93% chance that everyone else in that household will too. Everything rises or falls on leadership, Dr. Robertson would say. With that in mind, let's take our Bibles and stand and turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Find your place there. First Samuel chapter 30, we're going to read together in verse 6. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, let's read it aloud. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Would you underline that? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Thank you. you. May be seated. 
David and his mighty men were grieving for the loss of their sons and their daughters, men with a heart for God, men with a heart for their children. David had anointed, been anointed to be king. He was running from King Saul, and, and the road to Jerusalem was to pass through Ziklag, a place that had become a base camp for David and his men that was south of Jerusalem among the Philistines. It was a place of proving. The name Ziglag comes from a word that literally means to press mentally someone or something to reveal what's inside. To press someone to see what's inside. God often squeezes our hearts and our minds so that the real us will come forth. It's like the provings of God. It's like the times when God is putting us through the fiery furnace and what rises to the top? The dross. We all have it. The dross of pride, self-will, unbelief, self-righteousness. We all have it. But God is trying to squeeze us. God is trying to test and prove us, to prepare us for what he has for us. We are reminded from Job that no matter what loss, what setback we face, there is a God in heaven who as long as he leaves us here has a purpose, a future for us. Something to live for, someone to live for, something to look forward to. There are so many different things in our lives that God would have us to take into account as men, as dads, as leaders in our homes. God perhaps is pressing upon you today. Circumstances are pressing from without, but there are fears, as Paul said, pressing upon you from within. I don't know if I'm going to make this. Us dads were strong, right? We glory in our strength. One of my relatives were telling me yesterday about my Uncle Wayne. He put an electric fence back together with his bare hands. They said, I'll go turn off the power. He said, no, I've got it. He said, after a little while, he began to groan. But he got it back together, and he said, there. I grew up with some men in my family. My grandpa, big barrel-chested, big strong fellow. I saw a young man in the distance yesterday, and the way he walked, Terry said, that looks like Papa there. I said, look how he walks. Looks like him that much more. Amazing, is it not? Strong men. But what happens when our strength is gone? Not just our physical strength, but mental, emotional. What happens when our heart flags and it faints within? Hold your place here. Look back in chapter 27, 1 Samuel chapter 27. Let's look here. David did not realize how close he was to becoming king. And by the way, you don't know how close you are to God turning your captivity. You don't know. Keep going by faith, trusting God. Just press on. Take heart. Take hold of the promise of God. 
all these lapses of faith. I think about John. He said, you know, go ask Jesus if, if he is really the Messiah. Should we look for another? His faith wavered. His heart fainted. You think about Peter. Jesus said, I've prayed for you. Satan desires a to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not, and after you're converted that you'll strengthen the brethren. When you come back to me, aren't you thankful today we have a Savior who looks beyond our fault and our stumbling and says, when you come back to me, hallelujah, when you come back to me. Some of us, that's where we are today. We just need to come back to him. We just need to come back home and make it more about him. That's why he's trying us and teaching us and proving us. But David said in his heart, 1 Samuel chapter 27, underline that, in his heart. No one knows what you're saying in your heart today, but God does. And David said, in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing Better for me, underline that, there is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. Can you imagine this? It's like I've got to figure out something. I've got to do something. In his heart, he said, Saul's going to catch me one day. He's going to kill me. It's over. There's nothing for me to live for, nothing for me to look forward to. And here he's out. Ziglag is the base camp. They're out in battle, and then they come back, and the Amalekites have taken their wives and their children and destroyed the city by fire. And the men are so distraught that they turn on the leader, David. By the way, if you're a leader, you'll always be the lightning rod. And there's some things that are going to strike out at you when people are hurt or when they're angry or when they're confused. And you have to understand that because you're going to catch a lot of heat from those lightning strikes of anguish or pain or confusion or deep disappointment. And the Bible says that those men... Even not only were they greatly distressed, but so was David. And by the way, sometimes as a leader, you're going to have to be careful looking for sympathy. You're not going to find it. And if you're prone to just say, well, hey, you know, what about me? You may feel that, and we do at times. But you can't openly always go there. But hey, what about me? I know you're having a hard time. But what about me? I'm having a hard time too. I heard what one guy said, that uh, he was going through such a hard time, he told his wife one day, feeling like she wasn't even encouraging him and befriending him as she should. And he looked at her and said, I feel like the only friend I have left is my dog. And then he looked at her and said, it'd be so much nicer if I had at least two friends in my corner. And she said, well, you better buy a second dog then. And sometimes that's how low we get, right? We're looking for a friend, but there's no friend to be found. <laughs> there's no sympathy to be had from people. And we, we wonder, well, who's going to help me? I'll, I'll tell you, that's where you're going to have to learn to get along and seek the Lord. You're going to have to learn what it is to pray, to get in the Word of God, to take hold of His promise. 
You're going to have to get there because you're the leader and people are looking to you. And as a leader, a lot of times you are the lightning rod. You are someone that people are either excited about and look forward to following your lead, or maybe they're angry with you. Maybe they're vexed by you, confused. It's like, well, we followed you, and then this is where it got us. This is what it costs us. Then, you know, we need to take out our anguish upon you. That's where David was. He was greatly distressed, and others were greatly distressed and angry at him. you got to see this in the heart of verse 6 here. Underline it. The soul of all the people was what? Grieved to the point that they were inconsolable. They had lost the very treasure of their heart. It says here specifically, every man for his sons and his daughters. Don't miss that. But in the midst of this context and in the midst of this conflict, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning to just simply, as Dr. Robertson would always challenge me, to keep going. No matter what you face as a leader, as a dad, or whatever role of responsibility and accountability you have, no matter what you face in life, just keep going. You get down, get back up. You say, how am I going to do that? Well, we learn it here just briefly from this text you keep going, number one, by encouraging yourself in the Lord. The word encourage here means to fasten to, to lay hold of, to take hold of. He took hold of God. He took hold of God's promise. He said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I believe you. You deliver me from the bear and the lion. You deliver me from Goliath. Lord, I, I've seen you at work in my life. I know that you are God. Beside you, there is none other. I know that you're able. And so, Lord, I'm crying out to you. I'm calling out to you. I'm asking you for your mercy and your grace and your help. He encouraged himself in the Lord by saying, the only refuge that I have left is ultimately the only refuge I need. And it's God himself. The Lord God, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the true and living God of heaven. Lord, you, you are all that I have. And you are all that I need. Lord, thank you that I can come to you. I was reading my Bible one morning recently. And as I settled in just reading the scriptures, I said, thank you, Lord, for your word. Right away was bringing such strength and comfort and reassurance to my heart. And I got into the word of God and the word of God got into me and it gave me the grace and the strength I needed in that moment. Men, get in the word of God. Say, God, teach me. God, speak to me. Give me understanding. Lord, connect the dots. Help me to see things from your perspective. Help me to see them as you see them, Lord. Oh, God, help me. Take hold of God through his word. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Take responsibility for your own life, for your own response. Take responsibility for your action or your inaction. There are times when we're, we think we're kind of leading from behind, but you don't lead from behind. You've got to get out in front. You've got to be willing to take those errors. You've got to be willing to weather the storm. You've got to be willing to get knocked down and then get back up by the grace of God. That's what a leader is. 
That's someone who says, I don't understand this. I don't even know if we'll make it through, but I know this. If we quit and turn aside, we're finished for sure. And that's not an option. I have to be faithful. I have to get back up. I have to fight, as Nehemiah said, fight for your wives and your little ones. This is a spiritual warfare that I'm engaged in and I cannot quit. There's nowhere to get off. There's nowhere to say, but what about me? Uh, Listen, when Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, confronted King Saul, that's where he was. Well, all these people told me to do this and, and... I I did what they said. Kings don't follow people. The people of the realm, the kingdom, follow their king. And then when he found out that Jonathan was friend with David and supported him, he felt sorry for himself and just started whining about it. And going on, it's like, you know, this is what he's done to me. And I, and I, I'll tell you what, men, we're all prone to despair when things are dark and tough, even to the point of whining. And ladies, don't say a thing about how we are when we get sick you would think we have no strength at all. Isn't that right? But man, I'll tell you, we're going to have to grow through this and get over our whining and our fault finding and our blame shifting and the reason I got a bad attitude and the reason I'm not doing what's right or the reason I'm not attending to my responsibility is because of what this person did or what that person said or this circumstance happened in my life. I didn't like that. I didn't want that. I didn't expect that. And the next thing you know, when it comes down to it, you've got to get beyond that place and say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to just take hold of you and your word and encourage myself. Help me to do what's right. Come what may. I'm going to take hold of you, Lord. Keep going by encouraging yourself in the Lord. Number two, by inquiring of the Lord. Get in God's word. Take hold of his promise, but learn how to seek God more faithfully and fervently in prayer. We read here in verse 7, David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Now the ephod was a vestment or a breastplate for the high priest that they used their garment, their adornment, that in the seeking of the mind of God. We need to seek God and his mind in the matter. And so David was expressing his faith in God and demonstrating that before the Lord and others. And they brought it to David, and the Bible says in verse 8, and David inquired at the Lord. I want you to underline that. He prayed, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop, and shall I overtake them? He asked God what to do. And Lord, where do we go from here? How long has it been since you asked God for wisdom in leading your family? How long has it been since you asked God to show you in your heart what is lacking because it's in all of us? Lord, in my faith, in my 
commitment, in my character, in my spirit, in my attitude? What is lacking, Lord? Show me and make me more like you. When's the last time you prayed and said, Lord, okay, here's the situation. I'm going to give myself in this situation to you. I'm going to commit it to you, Lord, and I'm going to ask you to show me what to do. I told Caleb the other day, I called him about something. I said, Caleb, would you pray for me and just lead us in prayer? I said, so many times I find myself telling the Lord, even lately, what you always prayed as a little boy, show me what you want me to do, Lord, and I'll do it. I said, that's where I'm at in some different things that are before. So I'm trying to get the mind of God. I need the mind of God. I must have the mind of God. Oh, sometimes the urgency that is upon us to seek the mind of God. That's where David was. He inquired of the Lord, God, show me what to do. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, from God. God, will you give me wisdom? God will not in any way hesitate. God will not chide us. God will freely give to us the wisdom we ask for. That's what he asked. God, what shall I do? We keep going, come what may, no matter what we face, by encouraging ourselves in the Lord, by inquiring of the Lord, by learning how to pray and seek the mind of God. But then number three, by embracing the next step. The Bible says, and he answered him, the middle of verse 8 there, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Verse 10, underline this. But David pursued. David pursued. Notice verse 18, and David what? Recovered all. The last part of verse 19, David Recovered all. God wants you to find out what he wants you to do and then by faith just simply embrace the next step. God says pursue them. Go after them. I'm going to give them all back to you. I'm going to bring your loved ones home. Some of that may be in some kind of physical, tangible way like it was here, but in our lives, much of it can be in prayer, in cultivating a relationship in showing people our heart of genuine love and regard and concern for them. Lord, what's the next step? You know, some of us need to pray, Lord, what is the next step in recovering a stronger relationship with my wife or with my children or with my grandchildren? What's the next step I need to take? Some of us think we're going to get through life and God is there for us and and, uh, he's just going to make everything easy for us. Well, no, the road to Jerusalem goes through Ziklag. It's, It's, in our minds, a detour place. We never thought we'd have to travel, much less set up camp there or much less suffer great loss far beyond we could ever imagine. Uh, We don't understand the twists and turns that God calls us to in our following the Lord and leading those whom he entrusts to our care or perhaps even far more that he's going to entrust to us. He's preparing us. All of our lives, God has been and is preparing us for what he has for us. We've got to believe that. We've got to trust the Lord in that. We're still here. God is at work in each of our lives. And we just simply got to know God through his word and through prayer and the next step he would have us take. 
I thought about this. God has blessed me and Rebecca with all these children. I have a picture here from years ago. My, where did time go? They just grew up so fast. I keep this picture in my office. Seven boys, three girls. I told Rebecca the other day, I said, you'll never know how thrilled I was to meet you in Bible college. I had been praying for you forever. That's the way I felt because I was a senior and she was a freshman. I said, really, I just had to wait for you to grow up. And that was the truth. (laughs) And who would have thought God would give us these children? But I can tell you, here we raised 10 children And I look back on it now and I see so many blessings, so many different things and challenges along the way. But I could honestly say in certain regards, it's like a blur. How many parents understand that? It went by that fast. And I was talking to one of my children recently and I said, I'm kind of at the point in my life to where I want my children, especially the older ones that grew up so fast, and, you know, we were kind of, you know, as they were growing up and then going on with their lives, others were coming up behind them. And, I I, I mean, we we had teenagers forever. I mean, we were going through the great tribulation period forever, it seemed. I mean, it would never end. I mean, one would get in 20, and then another one would turn 13, and it's like, you know, the seven-year tribulation period, and, and it's like, wow. But when I was talking to Victoria, and I told her, I said, you know, here you and John are younger, you're still in the home, and, and oh, we've been all kind of places, done all kind of things. And I said, I, I wish sometimes the older children could really get to know me more than just a dad, an instructor who is teaching a life lesson from the billboards riding down the road. I mean, well, see, now that makes me think of this Bible verse. And here's what you want to learn about life, boys. I said, sometimes I wish they could just see me as a man and get to know who I am and my heart. And I would like to learn more of who they are. Because for me, they were my children. You know, it's like, hey, clean up your room and be on time for school. Did you get your homework done? Would y'all stop that? For a million times, you know? Where are your shoes? You just had them. How many belts have I bought for you this year already? They, they lost everything, right? Many of you know that. It's always the parenting side of it. I'd like to get to know my children as an adult. Are you following? You know what I think some of us are missing? We're missing the humanity of each other. We've got this construct about each other. We've got this thought in our minds of who these people are in my life, and that's the lens through which we view them. But they're people. It may be your dad, but he's a man. Where has he been? What has he learned? What is his heart? What has God taught him? I thought of my dad and And I wish that I could just sit and talk with him at that level because I told Terry yesterday, I said, every time I was with Dad, I felt like I had to, you know, be the preacher's son to him. 
to quote a Bible verse or to point him to the Lord or to pray with him. And I'm not minimizing that at all. But there are times when I wish I'd just say, Dad, would you tell me about the Korean War? What was it like being over there? What was it like when you were a teenager growing up in the 50s? What was it like when y'all built this cell barn out here? Tell me about it. What else did you like? Before he died, I found out he liked Milky Way candy bars. Because he called me from the hospital and said, don't let them see you bring it in, but would you bring me some Milky Way candy bars, the little ones? And I'll hide it under my blanket. I did that for Miss Nora, too. She liked the little orange things, you know. And I remember walking in one day. And I walked in to visit her. When I opened the door, she was putting one in her mouth, and that quick she put the rest of them under a blanket because she thought I was a doctor. But I found that out about my dad. You know, some personal things, some personal effects. What does it mean to you? What would it mean for some of you to find out about your dad or granddad now who's been gone for some time that someone would tell you, you're like, wow, I didn't know that. That connects with me. That resonates with me. I think about different things that I knew about my dad. But out of the blue yesterday, my uncle Ernie sent me a message. And here's all it said. Your dad liked vinegar on his sausage. That's all it said. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. I'll have to try that. If dad liked it, you know, maybe I will. I'm not thinking I will, but maybe I will, right? What's the odds of the, out of the blue? Here's something about your dad. Can I just say by the help of the Lord, some of us just really don't know each other like we should. And the Bible even says about the one who is over you in the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, get to know them who are over you in the Lord. Get to know them. Don't just put some kind of image of them or some kind of narrative of them in your mind about who they are and who they're not. They're human like you. They have wants and needs and hopes and dreams and desires and, and, and worries and cares and troubles and trials just like you. We're all human. Isn't that right? And we all need the Lord and we all need each other. But I'll tell you, there comes a point where we just need to enjoy getting to know each other. And I think about as you go through life, this would be a great mission because some of us dads, we need to connect with our children at another level. Just some time to talk, to laugh, to have fun, to tell about some things that we've learned, yes, but, you know, to just talk about life experience in and of itself. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm at that point in my life. I want my children to know who I am. I'm not a perfect man. There's times when I've had my faith waver, times when I've been weary. But God helped me to learn that it really is about faithfulness. When you get down, get back up. When you get hit, keep going. I'd like for them to hear some things from my heart. Some of you dads feel that way. While you still have that opportunity, you better take it. You know, I'd like to get to learn my children more. What are their hopes and dreams and desires? I feel like I have a good working knowledge of that. But I'm sure there are things there I could learn more of. And you could too, isn't that right? What's the next step God would have you to take 
with the Lord, with your wife, with your children, with your grandchildren. I can tell you this, when my grandchildren come to my house, I want them to know this is where I'm loved. I am so loved here and I cannot wait because that's the way my papaw, that's what we called him, my papaw made me feel. How do people feel when they come into your presence? Do you really know your dad? Do dads, do you really know your children? And then I just ask you this, what about the heavenly father? Do you really know him? Because that's the greatest father of all. If you die today, do you know for sure heaven is your home? Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.